Well, good morning, Life Point Church. Are you excited about what God's doing for you? Hallelujah. Hey, we want to welcome every one of you. You're looking at me like, who in the world is that? Well, I'm your missions connection. My name is Mike Campbell, and uh, I'm uh, the guy that uh, helps line up trips and uh, keeps us in touch with missionaries and things of that nature, and I'm honored to be able to do this this morning. I appreciate Pastor Mike uh, asking me to share the Word of God, and uh, we are glad that you're here. I want to welcome every one of you in the house and also everyone who's watching online. Hey, everybody here, can we give a good shout out? Put our hands together for everybody that's online. We're excited. God is good. And so uh, I just want to say, uh, you know, it's okay. You can stare. And, uh, but, hey, we're going to get the Word of God done. Now, let me just say thank you for your generosity. Wow, this is a giving church, and I want to say thank you so much. Uh, and just like Pastor Mike Burnett, I want to challenge you to grow in your generosity. All right? One way we can grow is in our giving and, and through our participation is with the Austin P campus. I'm excited about the Austin P campus that's going to be opening soon. In fact, there's going to be a, an informational meeting July 26th at 6.30. Now, there's going to be a, right on the screen, you can see the QR code. Go ahead and snap that and, and go online. Sign up. Be a part of Changing Destinies at the Austin P campus. Can you say amen? How many of y'all are excited about that? I'm telling you. We ought to be. It's going to be a great thing. And so uh, I, I tell you, get involved. I think Pastor Mike said something about he hopes that about 500 of us will get involved and go over there and make a difference. And so uh, I just encourage you to, to be a part of that. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And I'm telling you right now, that is God's plan for every one of us, that we would abound in every good work. The word grace, it says God's able to make all grace abound toward you. Everybody say toward me. That word grace means the sum of earthly blessing and all power and equipment necessary for ministry. That's literally what it means in the Greek. And so it's important that we understand that God wants us blessed so that we can make a difference in other people's lives and their lives too can be changed by the power of the gospel. So as we pray and believe these things, I'm telling you right now, Austin P is going to be a success and then we're going to have a North Campus and then I'm telling you right now, it's like Buzz Lightyear from infinity and beyond. Well, maybe not quite like Buzz, but you know, you get the point. And so it's going to be an exciting time. And uh, so I just encourage you to get involved. And then don't forget, Pastor Mike challenged you uh, to ask you over the summer to grow in your giving and ask God what he would have you get specific about. And it didn't necessarily have to be about life point. It could be about any area in giving. And so uh, I just want to remind you of that and ask you to continue moving forward in that. And then I want to say a special thanks to Meg Pritchett for uh, running our serve day this past Saturday. Can you give her a good hand? Would you do that? And, uh, I'm, you know, as being the mission pastor, you know, that's part of our uh, of what I do. But I was excited when she said she wanted to take that on. And she has a real heart for it. And we had a lot of serve projects going on, uh, somewhere around 430 or so people. And I want to say thank you to every one of you who decided to make a difference in somebody's life. When you decide to make a difference, it affects somebody else. And uh, so I just want to say thank you. So there we are. Can we pray before we get into the word of God? Father, thank you for the ability to give so that your kingdom can increase. I rejoice that all of our needs are going to be supplied. 
You said you'd give us power to get wealth so we can establish your kingdom in the earth. Now, Father, we thank you that that's being done. And Father, today we approach the word of God with reverence. We thank you now that you're going to give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us. Let us receive the engrafted word with meekness because it has the power to change our lives and our destinies. Thank you that what we hear today will become good stewards over and we will become doers of so that we can move forward and be blessed in Jesus' name. And everybody in the house said, amen. Well, I'm excited to continue in the book of Acts. As you can see, we are going through the book of Acts. We're in the fourth chapter, and uh, I don't know how long we've been doing it, but it's been good every week. And so I encourage you to get into the book of Acts. And we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 4, right after Peter and John had come to their company of believers. In Acts chapter 4, verse 23, it says, And being let go, they had been let go from the Sanhedrin. It says they went to their own company, to their own brand of believers. Now that's going to come back to us here in just a minute. And that is one of the most significant things. Listen, we need to all be on the same page. And they went to their own company. And so it highlights uh, the importance of having people who are like-minded. Pastor Bo did a great job last Sunday bringing that out and how in our prayer life, you know, in times of, of trouble, we, we, need, we need one another. We need our own company. Can you say amen? And so uh, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. And also from June 6th, Pastor Mike preached on Acts chapter 2, uh, and uh, that's kind of where we're going to be covering some of that again today, and so I encourage you to go back and check that out. This whole Acts series has been great. I think you're going to enjoy as we progress forward and uh, as you begin to grow from the insights. Now, let's go ahead today, and today I want to talk to you about uncommon commonality. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about this in just a minute, but I want to read to you from Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 32 through 37, all right? If you're following along in your Bible and you got your paper and pen, get ready, because uh, we're going to get after it if I can keep my tablet running here. Here we go. Acts 4, verse 32. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. Now that's powerful in itself. Not one needy person. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called the Apostle Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the Apostles' feet. Now, saints, that's the Word of God. And that's where we're going to take our texts from today. And I want to talk to you about four uncommon commonalities that are found in these verses. And I want to start off by saying this. There is nothing common about the kingdom of God. Do you believe that today? It is. How many of you have found out that the kingdom of God and the way we live in the natural are two different ways altogether? Man, it's amazing at how God sees life. And so there's nothing common about this. Everything in the kingdom that we do for God is uncommon. 
It's not common to care about people. It's not common to, to pray for one another. It's not common to share your testimony with one another. These are uncommon things. And when we do the uncommon things, we see a God who is not a common God. He's a supernatural God. We see him begin to show up and great things begin to take place. And so that's what we got to talk about. Common in the Old Testament, I love this. Common in the Old Testament means things that are not holy are not consecrated. In other words, the, the priests would consecrate things. They, I, I remember when they got ready to move uh, you know, into the promised land, you know, the Lord said that they should consecrate every one of themselves. See, they were consecrated unto God. Well, we're found that way when we're in the blood of Jesus, all right? So we don't have to go and do any sacrifice of that. Jesus has paid our way, and we are already consecrated. So things that are not holy, things that were not consecrated, those were common things in the Old Testament. Webster's Dictionary says common means occurring, found, or done often, or prevalent. And then in the Greek, we find the word common. And the word common in this verse means occurring, found or done often prevalent. Now, if we go back to Acts chapter 2 and begin in verse 42 uh, down through verse 48, you'll find in verse 46 that the Bible says that they daily, everybody say daily. They daily did some things. What did they do? They paid, they paid attention to the apostles' teaching. They prayed, they broke bread, and they fellowshiped with one another. These are common things that are uncommon because they bring uncommon results. That's why the Bible says that when they were doing these things, that signs and wonders begin to show up. Why? Because they were consecrated to God. They were, they were living their life in a holy manner, and they would consistently go in and, and do the things of God together. That's why you've got to have a common family. Every one of us is going to run into trouble at some time or another. But when you have a group of people that you know believe like you, that think like you, that speak the word of God like you, listen, they believe that when you tell them what the problem is, they're going to go to God. And that's exactly what they did in Acts chapter 4. After they told them everything, they went to God. And the Bible says that when they had gotten done praying, the place was shaken. How many of y'all would find it uncommon if this place started shaking? We all would find it uncommon. But that's the God we serve. Our God is not common. He is a supernatural God. The common things in these verses are characterized by the community life of the New Testament church. All right? The common things are characterized by the community life. That's all of us together. Listen, if you're not having a good daily devotion or a good prayer life, let me encourage you to get started now. This is the best time. Let me encourage you to get into a small group and get going. We need each other. Can you say amen to that? We need one another. We got to have somebody we can depend on that's going to be there for us when, uh, as they say, the chips are down. And so I just encourage you to get in that. And I'm not like one of those guys, well, you need to get in there and read this book. You need to read that. Listen, just go into the book of John now, see, that got you already. Some of y'all were thinking something else. But do you know of all the four gospels, only John was written to the church? Matthew, he wasn't written to the church. He's written to the Jew. Mark was written to the Roman. Luke was written to the Greeks. But John wrote to the church 60 years after the death of Christ. He, he puts down this book of John. 
He writes it while he's on the Isle of Patmos, and he gives us these great writings that start talking about eternal life. So go by one verse. If you can't read more than one verse, take that verse. I mean, start thinking about it all day long. Start speaking it to yourself. And I'm telling you right now, you'll begin to grow and get excited about what God's doing. Man, I don't know if you can tell this or not, but I love the word. All right, so I'm going to try not to be too passionate today. But I got to be honest with you, I don't know how to not let it out. I believe that the kingdom of God's the greatest thing on the planet. I've been preaching it for, for a long time, but I, more than importantly, I've been living it. That's what matters. It don't matter what people preach. It matters what people live. And when you live it, man, I'm telling you, just get you turned on, get you excited. Hallelujah. So today I want to talk to you about four things that we find in these verses that are so powerful, four uncommon commonalities, all right? And we're going to begin with this one found in verse number 32 of chapter 4 of Acts, all right? It's called uncommon faith. Listen to what the Word of God says. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything common. Notice this phrase that we've highlighted in yellow and underlined. Those who believed. Do we have any believers in Jesus in this house today? I'm telling you, come on. Those who believed. The word believed relates to having a common faith by believing in the good news of Jesus Christ or becoming a follower of Jesus. Now listen to me. I'm not talking about denominations. I got some bad news for everybody who's stuck on denominations. When you get to heaven, you won't like it because there won't be any, anything marked Methodist or Baptist or Church of Christ or any of that. Listen to me. It's only going to be believers in Jesus. The blood of Jesus is what matters. Well, we've, we've divided it and segmented it and, and caused all kind of craziness to go on. Man has done that. That's not God's way. How many of y'all believe that? And so it's important that we understand nothing common, but it's a faith. Those who believed had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They believed that what he said was true. They gave witness to it. They testified about it. They repeated the things that he said and did. And then Paul, in his writing, turned around and tells us that we're to do the same things. Listen, this is not a common faith or a natural faith but rather it's an uncommon faith because it's not given to us uh, by the world. Listen to me. This faith that we're talking about and believing in Jesus comes from God. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, if you're taking notes, write it down. It says, God has given to every man the measure of faith. This faith is the God kind of faith that Jesus talked about in Mark 11 and verse 20 through 23. Jesus said, have faith in God. The literal translation of that in the original manuscripts was, have the God kind of faith. Well, if he gives it to us, how many of you know you can grow in it? I'm glad he gives us faith. How many of y'all are glad he's given you faith? Isn't it amazing? He knew we'd need some help, so he gave us the ability to have that faith and to grow that faith. Listen, this kind of faith is not ordinary or usual and is not of the ordinary natural life. Anyone can have a natural faith. What's a natural faith? Well, how many of you got up this morning and doubted whether gravity was working? Who floated around the house? And I'm not talking about doing anything on that wacky weed or something. I'm talking about, oh, did I just say that? 
Oh, Lord have mercy. Pastor Mike, I hope you're not watching. And if you are, I'm really sorry. That just popped out. So, <laughs> I don't I got to recover here. Yeah. supposed to be supposed to be <laughs> well anyway <laughs> so how, how many of y'all doubted gravity this morning <laughs> anybody here I had one guy in the first service raised his hand so I invited him to go to the top of the building go ahead and just go off the side and keep walking now what's going to happen everything that goes up what must come down I'm telling you, we never doubt that in the morning. That's a natural faith. You don't doubt it. You don't doubt that the sun's going to come up and the sun's going to set. You don't doubt the tide coming in, the tide going out. There are things in the natural that we do not doubt. But listen, we're not moving by things we see and things that science uh, you know, has come up with. We're moving by a faith that takes something that's not seen and brings it into the realm of reality. That's the kind of God kind of faith that we're talking about having. Anyone can have a natural faith that says that gravity works or the things you see, feel, touch, taste, that those are the real things. But this uncommon faith we have is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's the kind of faith we're talking about. The kind of faith that changes things. In 2001, my wife was diagnosed with thyroid cancer and we went to the doctor and, and uh, I'm telling you right now, we, we, did, you know, we did what the natural said, but we did more than that. Man, my wife had post-it notes everywhere, on the mirrors, on the, on the refrigerator, on doors, on windows, on her car dash. I mean, there were post-it notes everywhere with scriptures on healing. Why? Because we were not believing for the natural. We were believing for the supernatural. And now we're in 2021, and she's gotten a good report every year. It's gone, and nothing has come back. Glory to God. That's the kind of faith I'm talking about. The kind of faith that says at 100 that you can have a child like Abraham. He believed God and it came to pass. Whoo, that's the kind of faith I'm talking about. Hebrews 11:6. look at this. But without faith, it is what? Impossible. Everybody say impossible. It's impossible to, to, to please God. Why? For he that comes to God must believe that God is God and that God will do what he says he will do. How many of y'all believe he'll do it? And then look at this. And he, and he must believe that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Listen, God doesn't sucker punch you. You don't go in and ask for one thing and get something else. You remember him illustrating that in Luke 11? He said, if you ask for, for bread, he's gonna give you bread. He said he wouldn't give you a, a, a something, you know, a rock if you ask for bread. God will do for you what you're believing him to do. And I want to tell you, don't quit. It's uncommon. Can you say amen? Listen, this kind of faith will allow you to sleep when the lions, when the lions are surrounding you or when you got to walk through the fire. I want you to know something right now because he never leaves you or forsake you like the three Hebrew children. He will be with you through the hard times of life and he will bring you out on the other side. It'll cause your old bones to be brought back to life. It'll allow you to walk on water when God says come. You'll be able to get out of the boat and stay focused on him just like Peter and walk on the water. 
I want you to know it'll help you to feed the multitudes with five fishes and two loaves, or two fish and five loaves, and it'll bring the dead back to life, heal the sick from, from cancers, tumors, and all manner of sickness and disease, and we see this happening all the time. I said, well, I haven't seen any of that. I never will forget, I was in, I was in this little small Assembly of God Church, I'd just gotten saved. I was a student at Ole Miss and there was a young lady that was going to the church and she was in a, in a wheelchair. She had been born where she, I mean, she was, you know, I don't know what they called it, but her hands were, were, were turned like this and her feet, she couldn't use her feet. And I remember one day, Pastor Paul Kamner was his name. They asked him to bring her down and they anointed her with oil. And as they laid hands on her and anointed her with oil, all of a sudden her bones started cracking and her hands straightened out and her legs shot out. And next thing we know, she's up out of that wheelchair and she's walking around. Why? Because God is the God he says he is. And he will do what we believe he will do. And I'm telling you right now, this is, this is what God's all about. It's not a common run-of-the-mill faith. It's the God kind of faith that will move a mountain in your life when that mountain shows up. And it calls those things that be not as though they were. I don't know what you're facing, but I'm telling you right now, don't stop believing God. And if you're around people who don't believe like you, get rid of those friends and find some more. Oh, that's hard, isn't it? I think the hardest thing for us to, to increase our faith and to grow in faith and to believe God for things is when we're around, I hate to say this, but when we're around certain friends and family. Family will keep you from moving forward in God. I know what you're sitting there thinking. I thought we were a family church. We are. And I love my family. You love yours? But listen, if they're not going to believe like me, I'm not going to them to get spiritual advice when I'm in need. I'm going to go to somebody who believes like I do. I'm telling you right now, saints, this kind of faith would cause a woman that has an issue of blood to crawl through a crowd when they told her, don't you come in here or you'll be stoned. And she crawled through the crowd and touched the hem of Jesus' garment because she said, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And immediately power went out of Jesus and she was made whole. And Jesus said, who touched me? They said, Lord, all these people are thronging you. And you want to know who touched you? See, there were a lot of people touching, but the God kind of faith will cause a million people in unbelief to be passed over by God to find that one person in faith. And that's what he did there. He passed over the crowd to find that one woman and he touched her life. The same thing happened to the, to the man who was on the bed who couldn't walk. He was, he, he, his friends climbed up on the roof, took him with him. Listen, it took a lot of faith for that man to let them take him on the roof. And then to let him down through the roof? Come on. You guys are acting like that's a common experience. Man, let me tell you what, I, I don't know. But that guy had faith. And the Bible says that when they let him down, Jesus saw their faith. So I want you to know this kind of faith can be seen. And it can be accomplished. There's nothing natural about the faith these disciples had that was, that was common. Nothing at all. It was an uncommon faith in an uncommon God, a God who's alive and powerful, a God who keeps his word and is faithful to the nth degree. That's what this kind of faith is all about. The only commonality about it was the uncommon God kind of faith. 
and it produced signs and wonders. That man, when he was let down, Jesus looked at him. Listen, he came to get healed, and what did Jesus say? Your sins are forgiven. Whoo, glory to God. He got more than he bargained for. And they got mad, the religious crowd. Listen, religious people are always going to get mad. They're always skeptical. You got them everywhere you go. You got to just not pay any attention to them. And Jesus said, well, okay, what's easier to say, take up your bed and walk or to say your sins are forgiven? And, and they didn't answer. <laughs> Isn't it funny how they never answer? They always question, but they never answer when Jesus asked. And so Jesus said, so that you may know that the son of man has the power to forgive sin. He said to the man, take up your bed, go home. Take up your bed. He said, get up, walk, take up your bed, go home. Three things, and the man did all three, and the man left out of there healed. Now, let me ask you a question, saints. Is that an uncommon faith? Because it takes the impossible and makes it possible. Can you say amen? All right, let's go to point two. You've had enough there. Point number two, we got to have an uncommon unity. Whoo, I love this. Acts chapter four and verse 32, uncommon unity. That's right. We got to have the spirit of unity, all right, in the bond of peace. Look at this. Now the full number of those who believed in verse 32 were of what? One. Everybody say one. Say it again. Say it like you mean it. One, one heart, one mind. They were together. They were in unity. That's what's so important. When we talk about our heart and soul, we're talking about our spirit, our soul, our mind, will, and emotions coming together, working together so that we can be strong in the spirit realm, strong in the God kind of life, believing the same things with equal passion and being in unity about what we're trying to accomplish and where we're trying to go. That's what Pastor Mike, he's, he's projected a vision here and we all come together. Listen, when there's a vision in the house and people believe in that vision, they will march forward and it will nothing, nothing. According to Genesis chapter 11, remember when they were all trying to build the Tower of Babel? They all speak in one, Babel, whatever it is. They all speak in one language and uh, the Lord said, let us go down and see what they're doing. And then he said, hey, they're in unity. Nothing will be withheld from them. I want you to know something right now. The only thing, get ready now, I'm going to rock your world. But the only thing that can stop life point is disunity. There ain't a devil in hell that can stop us. Well, that's a bold statement. No, they're under our feet already because of who we are in Christ. Didn't Jesus say the gates of hell will not prevail? I'm telling you, the devils can't stop us. Then who can? You sitting out there. When we get in disunity, what is division? It's having two visions. I never will forget. You know, we started talking about we started talking about doing a remodel of our sanctuary. We'd, our church was doing real well, and uh, it was growing over in all good Tennessee. I was there 29 years, and so the church was doing real well. We decided we we're going to remodel, and so I got up there, and I said, man, I'm excited. I said, we're going to remodel the church. God is so good, and I said, we're going to get rid of these pews. These pews, are, the, the, I mean, the seats were wore out. Springs were sticking up in some of them. I mean, the wood was, you know, where people had put their hands on it. I mean, it, it looked bad. I said, we're going to put in theater seating in the church. Oh my God, you'd have thought I'd thrown cold water on everybody. Well, not everybody. There were some that got excited. But isn't it amazing? People were, I mean, I never will forget. I was out in the lobby. People coming up to me. Well, wait, if we don't have pews, we can't be an official church. 
I said to them, I said, won't you come with me to Moe's Bridge? I was at Moe's Bridge in Kenya. I was preaching the gospel. When I showed up, I said, hey, I don't see any buildings. Where's the church? There was one acacia tree. It was full grown and mature. It was huge. And they said, that tree right there is the, where they're going to meet. That's where the church will be. And about, I don't know, it was around 50, maybe a little over 50 people that showed up that day. I preached the gospel under that acacia tree, which is the covering of God. And people gave their heart to Jesus. All them people that think that you can't get saved without pews wouldn't have made it. I'm meddling again. That's the number one responsibility of a pastor. Not really, but anyway. Listen, the color of the walls, the carpet, this type of seats. How many of y'all like these seats here? They're pretty nice. Yeah. How many of y'all have gotten saved coming to the services? Anybody here is giving their heart? All in right there. I thank you for your brave hand. God bless. Oh, there's another one. All right. And another one right there. Hey, we're going to have a move of God before it's over with right here. All right, so listen. It's not about what's in the building. In fact, it has nothing to do with the building. It has everything to do with the people and the preaching of the word of God. Because when we preach the word, God shows up. And when God shows up, things begin to happen. But we need to be in the same mind in the, and, and in the same spirit. Listen to what, you know, unity is defined as the state of being united. I think I have this up here, yeah. Unity is being defined as the state of being united or joined as a whole. We need to be united in what we believe, united in where we're going, united about how we're going to get there. I mean, listen to me. The how we get there doesn't matter as long as we end at the spot we need to be at. How many of y'all have found out that there's more than one way to get to Life Point Church from your house? Isn't that amazing? Well, which one is best? Well, listen, if you don't go right down 24 and come across here on the Rossview Road and get right, well, wait a minute. Maybe we're going to come off, what is it, Ted Crozier and come up the road that comes to the backside and down this, I don't know the name of these roads. I just know how to get there. I'm not worried about, are you following me? Routine, common. And just because you believe it ought to be done that way, don't try to make God common. Let God be God. Can you say amen? amen. And I'm telling you, it's important. Listen to this in Philippians 1.27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see, uh, and f- whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That's all that matters. We need to be in one mind, striving together to accomplish. Notice we're to live a life worthy of the gospel. And that's what he says over in Ephesians chapter four and verse three, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And let me tell you something right now. Everybody started out being against, you know, not everybody was on board with all the theater seats. You know, I had a vision. I said, man, we could have theater seats. We could have ushers coming down the aisle with white towels over their arms and a serving tray. Hello. You know, maybe put something in there where they could order fresh coffee. I'd always tell them that, but, you know, people knew I was just kidding. But listen to me, saints. In the end, it took a lot of work, but we got people on the same page. 
And now I've left the church and what are they doing? The plans that I laid, but I saw that I wasn't going to be, you know, get those done because God was wanting me to do something else. They are now enacting and they're putting in theater seats. Woo! I believe Jesus has showed up in all good. That's amazing. So let's be in unity. Can you say amen? That's the most important thing. And you know, in Acts chapter 6, they were having trouble feeding the widows and orphans and taking care of them. And the, and the men of God said, hey, let us give ourselves to prayer and to study of the word. But find seven men who are full of faith, full of wisdom, full of the Holy Ghost. And let's appoint them over this business. And the Bible says the saying pleased the whole multitude. And I want you to know something right now. That's the greatest miracle in the Bible when you can get everybody to agree on one thing. That is an absolute miracle. Some of y'all going to get this. That's an absolute miracle. And then the Bible says, and the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. Why? Because they got into unity. Let me give you point number three. Everybody doing okay? All right, point number three. We got to have an uncommon witness. Uncommon witness. Listen to this in Acts 4 and verse 33. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony or their witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them. I want you to know that when you start talking about Jesus, great grace is going to be upon you also. Why? Because you're a child of God. And notice it says that great power, with great power. Why? Because of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But you shall receive what? Power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come on you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, all the way to the ends of the earth. Amen. And I believe that. I see it. Jade and I just returned from Ghana. We were over there. We spent 14 days in the country, and we preached 16 times. And we saw people come to Jesus. We saw people get filled with the Spirit. We saw people get healed. Why? Because the word of God is true. And where you preach the word, God shows up. And all we did was give witness. We just testified of the goodness of God. Listen to me. When you testify to your neighbor about how good God has been, it's the goodness of God that draws them to salvation. Woo-hoo. I love it. I mean, you can do it anywhere. I was in the, in, the, in the Walmart in All Good one time and I was picking up a few items and I, I just, I, I was dumb. I didn't get a basket or one of them hand deals. And so I was walking down through there and I got a couple of things in my arm and this lady's on the aisle and her baby's just a crying. And so, uh, you know, she said, honey, we're gonna go home but I gotta get these items. And I heard her say something about him having a fever. So I turned around and I said, ma'am, May I pray for your son? I'd just like to lay my hands on him and pray for him. She looked at me like I was crazy or some kind of pervert for wanting to touch her child. I got the look from her that if I touched that child, she was going to end my life. <laughs> and I said, ma'am, I am the pastor at Trinity, and I just want to pray for your child. And she said, okay, in a very reserved voice. And so I just reached over and laid my hands and that baby was sweating, he was hot. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I curse this fever, command it to be broken. And thank you that the healing anointing is working in his body in Jesus' name. And that's all I said was amen. And I said, thanks for letting me pray. He'll be okay. And I just took off, started walking. I went down the aisle, got me another item, turned the corner and, uh, and went over two aisles. And I'm coming up that aisle, picked up a couple more things. And I got two hands full of stuff. 
And all of a sudden, that lady comes around the end of the aisle I'm on, and she sees me, and she starts running, pushing that cart, and her baby is no longer crying. He's laughing, and she pulls up, and she runs over, and she throws her arms around me and hugs me. And all I can think is, my God, people are going to see this lady hugging me. They're going to think I'm having an affair in Walmart. (laughs) Funny what we think, isn't it? And she said to me, (laughs) she said, look, my baby's better. And I said, that's because God is a God who's faithful. And I said, now, if it's okay, you can unhug me. (laughs) And so she let go. And I said, man, I'm praising God. Listen to me. That didn't take anything. And I didn't do it because I was the pastor. I know I had to tell her I was the pastor so I could convince her. But listen, I could have prayed without touching that child. But I know one of the ways people get healed is by the laying on of hands. A witness. Are you a witness? And that's all we've got to satisfy. And that's all we need to know. Let's go to our last point. Our last point, if I can get it to change. Ha, uncommon generosity. Uncommon generosity. Listen to this in Acts 4.34. There was not a needy person among them. Whoo, how about that? How many of you know of somebody in this house or maybe even yourself that has a need? Let me see your hand. Yeah. But this said, there was no needy among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. What makes this uncommon is that each one of these that sold their property and gave it back to the church were operating without demand or plea from the church. In other words, listen, it came from the Spirit of God, it was uncommon. But even what they began as uncommon became common in the church. And that's how great generosity begins. Because people's lives are changed. And the Lord begins to speak to them. And you realize that you're you're no longer in charge. It's God in charge of your life. And you're just a steward over everything that God has given you. And all of a sudden, a, a generous spirit comes over you. Why? Because God is always giving. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he what? Gave. He's always giving. And so they became givers. It reminds me of of, uh, Zacchaeus in Luke 19. He was a tax collector and he was down there with the sinners. Remember that Jesus, (laughs) the, the, the scripture always says that He was with the tax collectors and the sinners. I mean, the two lowest on the rung as far as the Jews were concerned. And he looks up in that sycamore tree and says to Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. Zacchaeus gets down, runs ahead of him, and welcomes Jesus into his house. And while he is fellowshipping with Jesus, the Spirit of God changes a man who is greedy. The world says, take, gather, keep it. But God says, give, send. Are y'all following me? And Zacchaeus looks at Jesus and he said, Lord, now Jesus didn't ask him to do this. He said, Lord, half of everything I have, I will give to the poor. And every person I have wronged, I will give back to them four times what I took. How many of you know that's the spirit of God? 
It's an amazing thing. Generosity is uncommon, especially when it comes like that. That these people would just sell their extra lands and houses and bring the money and lay it at the apostles' feet so they could distribute to everybody. And there was a famine going on, but nobody had a need. That's the way the kingdom of God works. So let me ask you. Examine yourself in light of these uncommon traits and ask you if they're common in your life and if the world is seeing these uncommon traits operating in your life. Will you stand with me? See, these four traits, these uncommon traits stem from a relationship with the Spirit of God. It all begins with a relationship with the Spirit of God. If you don't have a relationship with him, I want to invite you to go all in for Jesus. I want to invite you to come into the family of God. If you're watching online, I want to invite you to come into the kingdom of God, to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I'm telling you right now, is it going to change everything that's happening in your life right now? It won't change it in a moment, but over time, things will change. And one thing's for sure, you will change instantly about how you see life. Can anybody agree with that? Let me ask you this. Are you going, are you growing your uncommon faith? Ask yourself these questions. Are you dwelling with this uncommon unity with God and with your fellow believers in the church? Are you speaking out with this uncommon witness so others know of your goodness? And are you operating in generosity with this uncommon possession mentality that says that I'm a giver and not a hoarder anymore? Those are the questions we need to answer. Let us pray together. Can we do that? Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person's gathered. I pray for everyone watching. And Father, I pray right now that the Spirit of God, Lord, I can tell you're moving right now. God, you're moving on people's hearts right at this very moment. And Father, right now, people are asking themselves questions. And you're speaking into their life. So, Father, I pray right now, if there be any out there that don't know you, I pray right now they will make this decision. I want everybody to pray this with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you, come into my life. I go all in with you. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. And I am your child. In Jesus' name, amen.